Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of the 100 Foot Jesus Podcast. This is your host, as always, Matt, and um, I am really excited to share um, today's episode. This is one I've been wanting to make for a while, but just other topics kind of kept popping up to discuss. Um, When I am going through what is called, if you don't know this term, discipleship with people, this is always the thing that I make sure I hit on often. If you guys don't know what discipleship is, this is just a quick overview. There's way more to it than what I'm saying, but it's also way simpler than what I'm saying discipleship is you as a believer helps move another believer on in their faith like you as a believer you help them see and do it's almost like an apprenticeship like um like you you take them under your wing to some respects you know like um like if you study scripture every day as a believer you show them kind of how you do it and if you are a person that that you know you're married and you you are coming alongside someone who is married or maybe will be married one day you you tell them and you show them how you are with your spouse and how you are as a father and those kind of things that's what discipleship's like discipleship is a slow burn there's not like a lot of what we like to say in the modern church salvations counted um discipleship is a lot of failure and a lot of success and um really important but you can't have discipleship with without the thing that we're going to discuss today on today's episode today's episode is the most dangerous thing a christian can do now um before i say that i just want to tell you guys something very important um (laughs) there are a lot of dangerous things a christian can do right um you know i I, i'm going to read a lot in the in out of james today the book of James in chapter one, but James also talks about sin and desire, how once you have a desire, then that will give birth to sin and then sin will give birth to death, right? It'll ruin everything. It'll send you to hell, a very real place. Your sin will. So there are a lot of things within the Christian life that you can absolutely have that's very dangerous. But I have one that's fundamental that we're going to discuss today that I think you really need to pay close attention to. So let's get right into it. What is the most dangerous thing a Christian can do? I believe the most dangerous thing a Christian can do is this. Treat scripture like a theory or a construct or a concept, but not a real thing you're supposed to do. That's a pretty often thing within the church, isn't it? Um, If you see the way that we are, like for instance, we're in a political season right now, and you see people that love Jesus, giving their life to Jesus. However, um, they spend a lot more time persuading people to vote for someone than they do to, to fall in love with the saving love of Jesus. Because this is much of a, um, a theory for them when it comes down to it. James also talks about testing your faith and that your, your, your faith will endure and it'll be tests and that'll give you endurance and then that'll lead to maturity after it's been tested. That's so important, right? Like, um, But if it's just a theory, then it doesn't really help you. Uh, uh, I'll just give you an example. A lot of times the American church, we as pastors fail you that listen um, because 
we will give seven steps to a better marriage <laughs> or and by the way those things are not always bad or heretical however they're not very productive um or we'll give you six reasons why you should forgive somebody and we'll, we'll throw out scripture from all over hopefully and then you'll hear those action plans and you'll be like well i will go and do but you don't normally go and do because it involves note-taking of like 10 things. And if you ever read Andy Stanley's book, um, Commun communication, Communicating for, for a Change, <clears throat> excuse me, very much within your life, you don't, your brain doesn't process something very well if you have seven points to do something, right? I'll just give you this. Okay, um, you as the listener, listen to what I'm going to say. This is from Andy Stanley's book. And then this will tell you how ineffective modern preaching is. All right. Um, grab a pen and a paper wherever you're at or on the notes on your app or whatever if you want to write these down. But I'd rather you not. I'd rather you just, um, you can, but I'd rather you just do this from memory. Okay, I'm going to give you some numbers. I'm going to give you seven numbers. And I want you to um, be able to repeat them back to me. Okay, here we go. 1,042, 6, 58, 52, 51, 98, and 5. Okay, repeat those back. Did you do it? Maybe you did, but it may have been hard. Okay, now I'm going to give you seven other numbers. Okay, see if you can repeat these back to me. You ready? Okay. 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, 5. Can you repeat those back? Yeah, a little easier, right? When we teach scripture, we just are supposed to teach straight up the scripture. The scripture has a main point that the writer has, and you go through, and it builds, and it's beautiful, or sometimes it hurts to read and to apply, but we do that. And we as preachers should be much more of the second than the first of giving complicated steps to action that almost are never founded in scripture, but they're kind of our ideas, right? Teaching the scripture, you're just going to win. You as the preacher, you may be bogged down right now with like all this coronavirus stuff, political stuff, um, at home learning, whatever it is is going on with you. And you may think I am not worthy to, to stand there and teach the scripture, but you still have this book. This book is never wrong. So just straight teach it and people will do with it what they will. So once, once the preacher actually gives you the word, which is very common still, by the way, <laughs> but not as common as I wish, um, you have to see it as not just a theory. Like, for instance, if you go up, if, if, if you hear, if you're in a Bible study or you're reading a book or a sermon and you hear someone say something like, you should love people unconditionally. And you just, you nod your head. Maybe you're an ameniner, you know, you're an amen type person. You take a note, love people unconditionally. In your mind, are you saying that's what you have to do? Or are you saying, man, it'd be amazing if people actually did that? Like, will you walk out of that Bible study or whatever's going on and then still tell someone that their favorite candidate's Hitler? Like a minute later. <laughs> like, is this a theory to you or is this realistic? When you hear someone say we should share the gospel with as many people as we can, do you see that as a theory or a reality? It may not surprise you that many statistics show that 9 out of 10 American Christians 
will live their entire life and die without sharing the gospel with anyone. Nine out of 10. Guys, what if we could get that to 10 out of 10? Did it weekly. I didn't just say daily, weekly. What if we did? Is this a theory or is this a reality? Because man, it makes a big difference if this isn't just theory. I think that's one reason why, and I had an episode way back when about where did the adventure go. That's one reason why a lot of men get so bored in church, right? And I don't know, women, you're, you're, you're just as capable of being bored in church as we are. Absolutely. I've bored a lot of you when I've preached before. But you get bored in church because you sit there, and men, we want a task. We want something to do. But a lot of times we just hear things, and the way we interpret them is theory, by the way, that's not always the pastor's fault. Sometimes it's because they look around the room and the people have been going to this thing for so long. The people have been doing this thing for so many decades. They do nothing about it. Like they're supposed to love everybody, but you see them online. <laughs> you see them at the grocery store. You see them in their own private businesses. They don't love everybody. So this must just be a theory you get conditioned to believe over and over again. There's all these statistics. By the way, almost all of them are made up. If you really read Ed Stetzer and people who actually do the research that say young people are leaving the church in droves. Um, after high school, they just leave the church. They never come back, that kind of thing. One, There's two main reasons for that, guys. Uh, one reason is pretty simple. They don't really, they never really own their faith. Like they, they never truly own their faith. And I know a lot of times it gets put on church leaders to say, you failed them, that kind of thing. And by the way, we probably did in a lot of cases, but they never really own their faith because to them, this was a theory. This was a concept of, yeah, of course we're supposed to do that. But we don't. We don't. Because when it gets messy, we don't want to do it. When it comes to the topics of like church discipline, when someone is in sin, things like that, we don't do it. When it comes to things like um, reconciliation, when Jesus talks talks about how when someone sins against you, not disagrees with you, but sins against you, you're supposed to go to them first. We don't do that. We go to everybody else as Christians, right? We, we get a gossip mongering horde about them and get everyone. We get advice from people, which is really just please tell me I'm correct. We don't go to that person. Next, you're supposed to bring someone with you. We don't do that part either, you know, and we don't bring it before the church. We don't bring it before the leaders. We just basically avoid people. So we have young people seeing their parents do that, seeing their youth leaders do that, seeing their youth pastors do that, just avoiding people when conflict happens. So they're like, this is just a theory. You don't believe any of this. So why would I do it? The most dangerous thing we can do as a believer is read scripture, hear scripture, experience scripture, and think it's a theory or a concept of a greater world that we don't actually have to make happen or be a part of. That is so dangerous. That is like playing with a lit stick of dynamite when you study scripture and think it doesn't apply to you. It's scary. I'm guilty of it. I will read the Bible, and I'll and I'll and I'll and I'll either gloss over the sin I know I'm in to get to the one you're in, or I'll read the sin I'm in and fool myself into believing all oh, that that can't possibly be talking about me. I do it too. I am crazy guilty of it. Like when there's a great parable story, I put myself as the hero of Jesus's parable. I don't put myself as the villain. 
But what I should be is probably neither. I should be the bystander on the sideline watching Jesus teach, thinking how this should be convicting me to follow him better. So this is a dangerous thing we do. Now, I'm going to get into um, a couple concepts for you guys that one you learned in school (laughs) and the other one um, is something I've learned about Bible study that's going to help you a whole stinking lot and it's very similar to it Um, it's popular these days Um, the first one is the scientific method you're like wait a minute I remember that yep and the second one is the SOAP method it's a Bible study method it's crazy popular now at first I was leery of if it works it's phenomenal but before we get into that, let's 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 dive in a second to James chapter one. I'm going to go to verse 19, and um, this is what James, baby brother of Jesus, writes to a very persecuted church. He says this: "My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires." Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accepted in this world planted in you, which can which can save you. So so what he's saying is like, hey, get rid of all this moral stuff. I mean, get rid of all this immoral life and all that, all this evil. Get rid of it. So you're like, cool. okay, I should do that. But then he gives you Bible application within the Bible. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. He says, don't just listen to it. Do it. Make it a to-do list. Anyone who listens to the word does not do what it says is like someone who looks at, at his face in a mirror after and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I'm like, what do I look like? I just saw my image, but I don't know what I look like anymore. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So he's saying that the law, God's commands, the scriptures should give you your identity. Like it's not just a list of to do, not to do, but it's your identity. This is what you live by. But if you read that and you do nothing about it, you forget who the heck you are very quickly. It's like looking in a mirror and then four seconds later being like, what the heck do I look like? I don't remember. The scriptures define who you are. That's what your lifestyle should be like. Don't be just hearers, doers. So let's get into the scientific method. So you are alone with the Bible here or a sermon, but let's just go with alone with scripture because I believe your best growth you're going to have as a believer is alone with the scriptures. So you're alone with the scriptures and 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 you read something within it. And, and one thing you can do is the literal scientific method. This helps you to apply the scriptures. Okay. The first one is make an observation. So if you're reading the Bible, this will help a lot of you guys. These first two steps will help a lot of you guys who are intimidated to read the Bible on your own because you're like, I can't take this. It's like the old Catholic church that thought that you as a layman are not capable of reading the scriptures for yourself, right? And we buy into that bullcrap on our own too. We're like, I can't read this. Only the priest can read this, which by the way is heresy and stupid. And if your Catholic church teaches that, leave that Catholic church and tell the priest why. But anyway, um, so so these first two steps will help you think, well, I can handle this because by the way, According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit 
helps you interpret scripture. So you're capable of this. You can handle this, guys. We can do hard things. So here's the first thing. You're reading the Bible or it's being taught to you and you, number one, you make an observation. So you're reading along with the passage and you make an observation. You're like, I think Jesus must be saying this. I think the character of God must be this according to this. Then step two of the scientific method, ask a question. Is he really saying this? Like, is this a real thing? Am, am I really supposed to do this? Or are people really supposed to do this? Or does God really believe this? Then the third one, form a hypothesis, testable explanation, right? Hypothesis, I think God is saying this here. Now, a lot of us end at number three because we make a big old guess. We're like, well, obviously Jesus is saying this. Obviously the scriptures are saying this. When you do that, that's when we do what's called take scripture out of context. We leave it completely there. We're like, yep, this is what I think it means and move on. And that's why people have life verses that are almost always completely out of context, make no sense for the original manuscript they were written in. <laughs> and, um, and you're like, how did you get that from that? That's why Vander Holyfield had, you know, Philippians 4.13, he can do all things through Christ and strengthens him when he went to the ring. And everybody's like, yeah, Vander can do what he wants because God wants him to um, beat people up. And then Lennox Lewis knocks him the heck out. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, I guess he can't do all things through Christ and strengthens him. Maybe Paul was saying not that at all. So you, but you form a hypothesis, a testable question. Like, I think this is the doctrine. This is the teaching. This is the theology that comes from this passage of scripture that I'm doing. The fourth one, make a prediction based on this hypothesis. Meaning, I really think this is what it is. Like, I really think this is what the scripture is trying to teach me here. I really think this is it. Now, um, through all of this, you have to keep reading. You have to keep understanding. Like, okay, what is this? What is this? Through this kind of thing, um, to understand the scripture better, one thing you can be doing is looking up commentaries. I'm a big fan of John Stott, um, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-T-T, and your Google machine can help you find John Stott. So if you're like reading from 1 Timothy 6, John, just Google John Stott, 1 Timothy 6, and see if something comes up. I'm a big believer in um, a Charles Spurgeon. Now, I don't agree with all the theology of Charles Spurgeon, but... So what? It doesn't matter. You need to find out because he's a very studied man. Look up him. There's so many other. Matthew Henry's another. Matthew Henry's a really good commentary to be looking up. And you read those multiple sources and get an idea of what it says. So that's part of your case. You got a hypothesis. It's, it's testable. Then you make a prediction. Like, I really think this is what this scripture is saying. But they're going to give you the whole context. The next one is test the prediction. So you test it. So you're like, okay, let me see if this is what the scripture actually says. This is what the scripture actually wants me to do. Now you're really cooking, right? Because you're thinking, oh man, I, I'm really getting this. Number six, use the results to make a new hypothesis or predictions. You use scripture to interpret scripture. That's the sixth part of the scientific method that can be applied to it. So you use scripture to interpret scripture. So if you're someone that you're, um, you're a pacifist and you're like, okay, I believe that God is anti-war, non-violent. And you got a scripture here, here, and here that says that. Well, 
try to find the combating verses that say God is not a pacifist, Jesus is not a pacifist, and then form your theology from that. Look up people that are smart and find how they use the scriptures to interpret that as well. People I mentioned, others would be really good. Um, and, and try to find it that way. Then you're going to know, using the scientific method, you are going to know what the scripture says to the best of your possible ability. Now, pausing there for just a second, you might hear me say that and think, that is a lot of stinking work. But let me ask you, if God literally says something, don't you kind of want to understand what the heck he's saying? Because again, this isn't theory, this is real. These are actual, the word of God, as we say. So you want to know it. So make an observation, ask a question, form a hypothesis, um, make a prediction based on that hypothesis, test the prediction, and then use the results for a new hypothesis, meaning use scripture to interpret scripture. Such an important thing to do. Now, there's another way to completely and totally understand not completely and totally, the best way, I believe, to understand Bible study. And this is called the SOAP Bible study method, S-A-O-P. And yes, it's an acronym. And it's very similar. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. Um, S stands for scripture. I feel like a SpongeBob song. F is for fun. Okay. S stands for scripture. You write out the verse or passage of scripture that speaks to your heart. Some of you guys, you are more, this passage speaks to my heart. It doesn't just make me ask a question. It's like, man, I really, that I feel that. So anytime you read the Bible by yourself, you, you soap it. You write that out. Writing things out helps a lot. Another one is, um, reading it out loud, reading it out loud because it engages more senses, doesn't it? Right. Reading it out loud. Um, o is for observation. What stood out to you about this verse? Were there any commands or instructions? And what is the author saying? O goes back to the scientific method of observe it. Well, man, why did this stand out to me? I'm part of a really good Bible study on Saturday mornings. And that's how we, we basically do the SOAP method, where it's, okay, what stood out to you about this passage? You read the whole thing, what stood out to you? And then a person says this, then the other person chimes in on this, and then we look up the answers. That's really, really powerful. And by the end of that, we chopped up that scripture so much, we know it, right? So what stood out to you about this verse? Were there any commands or instructions? Is there anything I'm supposed to do? Because that makes me feel good. Like God says I'm his creation. God says I'm his masterpiece. But... Is there any instructions or commands? Is there something I'm supposed to do? What is the author trying to say? The Bible has a lot of different authors, all inspired by God. So what is he trying to say here? A, so important, right? Application. How can you apply this verse to your life today? How can how can you live in light of this truth? So your application is, okay, well, how the heck can I apply this verse? Because this isn't just a theory this is real. So how can I actually do this scripture? I love um, one of my friends, Greg says, do scripture. Don't just read scripture, do scripture. How can I do this scripture? How can I, how can I follow Jesus and live this passage out that I was just taught that I just read? And the last one is pray. You respond to the passage in prayer. Ask God to help you apply the scripture to your life and spend some time listening to what he may be telling you. So you so you go through the passage. You're like, okay, I understand this. The preacher just preached. By the way, it's okay to pray mid-sermon. 
um, the guy might, the guy or whoever's preaching, the lady, man, whatever, they may think that you're sleeping, but yeah, well, that's up to them. Doesn't matter if you like. God, I really just want to understand this. I have had times where I'm sitting in a in a, in a church service and I just cannot concentrate. I'm thinking about the uh, sports. I'm thinking about my week. I'm thinking about my shopping list. I'm thinking about whatever, and then I just literally pray. God, focus me on this. Help me apply this. Help me know this. Help me experience this sermon so it, it keeps me hungry enough to go and feed on your word. So you soap it. You, it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. These are different steps that you take. Now, these are all important because, again, we're not supposed to just be hearers of the word. We're supposed to be doers of the word. It is so dangerous for you to take sermons and Bible studies and in and, and, and all these different ways we can access scripture in our country right now, which is so phenomenal. Again, I again I know I get reminded of this. I know not only Americans listen to 100 Foot of Jesus, but most of our audience is Americans. Um so but you read these passages and you and you and you and you encounter them. Never think they're theory, never think there's something to not be lived out. That is so dangerous. Don't be that person that thinks, well, this is a theory. It'd be really cool if we did this, but I'm not going to. Um, I'll leave you with this. This is a great story that Francis Chan tells, and um, I've mentioned it in a couple sermons before. But um, okay, so imagine you have a daughter and one day you walk in the house and you and you walk over to a room and it's filthy and she walks up to you and you say, honey, go clean your room go clean your room and so she leaves and she's gone like the rest of the day she's like she must be working hard and then you go to bed that night and you wake up in the morning and you walk by and you look at her room and it's still just as filthy so you so you approach her in a very wonderful parenting way and you say honey i told you to clean your room and she says i know you told me to clean my room and then you she says have a seat listen to this you said clean your room. So you know what I did? I memorized the words clean your room. I even wrote them down and now it's my new life first. Clean your room. I took the phrase clean your room and I and I found out what it's actually saying in the Greek and the Hebrew. You'd be like, uh, oh, and dad, check this out. I also took the phrase clean your room and I'm going to start a Tuesday night study where my friends come over and we read it and we look we decide what would it look like if we all lived out the phrase clean your room and you look at her and you would say just go clean your room that's all fine and good but I actually meant go clean your room guys I think God is calling us to clean our rooms (laughs) I think God gives us a command. He literally wants us to live it out. Imagine if your world were lived, were a world where Christians lived out the scriptures. There's what, a couple billion of us on the planet right now? Imagine if we were all living out these scriptures. They weren't just theories. They weren't just concepts, but they were something we were supposed to do because Jesus is not a concept. He is a person, a person that says, follow me. So when you read what he tells you to do, you do. The Holy Spirit is not some concept or some fuzzy feeling when your favorite song shows up. Ooh, the Spirit's here. Why? Because I feel good. The Holy Spirit is a being. It is a person. It is, it is, the Holy Spirit is God 
that inspires you, convicts you of sin, and empowers you. God the Father is not just this daddy that's not real that you pray to. He is the designer and sustainer of this world who loves you so much that he sent his trinity into our lives to change it and and have us follow him in just a better way. Live out scripture. No scripture. Well, guys, that was all for today. A little bit longer episode than usual. I hope that was okay with you. Um, If you have any questions, comments, anything like that, please hit me back and have a great week. Thank you.